Hey guys, good morning. Um, great to see you. I can't see you, but it is great to see you. Um, I'm just excited to still be able to lead worship, even though I'll be honest with you, it has been a struggle for me getting things set up and um, getting the sound right and things. It's just not my strength, uh, but this is what we have. This is what we're going to work with. Um, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Today we're here to worship the Lord, and it's taken me some time uh, today as I'm recording this to realize that it's about worshiping the Lord this morning. It's not about how things sound, how things look, even where we're at. Although I want to be at church and I want to shake your hands and, um, you know, sit in Sunday school with you and, um, you know, I, I really miss you guys. So, Without further ado, we're going to begin our time of worship. So I'm going to pray for us, and we'll start. Lord, be glorified in this time of worship, God. Uh, help uh, me to not be distracted, and help uh, your uh, people, God, to not be distracted. Help us all to focus on you. Um, help us to sing, even though um, it's <laughs> everyone in our family could hear us, or uh, we're by ourselves or whatever the situation, Lord, help us to sing uh, out loud to you. Um, help us to express our love for you, our worship to you in these songs. And pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, the first song we're going to start with is You Alone Can Rescue. You 
you, you alone can save. You alone can lift us from the grave. You came down to find us, let us out of death. To you alone belongs the highest Lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes to the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes to the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes to the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes to the giver of life. We lift up our eyes. Lift up our eyes to the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes to the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes to the giver of life. We lift up our eyes, lift up our eyes to the giver of life. You alone can can lift us from the grave you came down to find us let us out of death to you alone belongs the highest praise My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose or pride or shame but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross oh I rejoice in my redeemer greatest treasure wellspring of my soul and I will trust summer flowers we fade and die fame youth and beauty hurry by but life eternal calls us to at the cross oh i rejoice in my redeemer Right. 
wealth or might or human wisdom's fleeting light but I will boast in knowing Christ
Break off every chain There's power that can empty out a grave There's resurrection power that can save There's power in your name Power in your name It's my fear doesn't stand Drench my soul.
Jesus, we love you. God, we pray that this week you are glorified in your life, in our lives, God, that our life would glorify yours, that our life would uh, change more because of you. God, continue to transform us. Continue to transform me. Lord, in this time of change, God, change us. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Quarantine Sunday number two. Uh, hope you all are safe, healthy at home. Uh, just uh, want to encourage you, um, just encourage you all, um, just respect the proclamations and ordinances um, about staying at home. Um, if you, there, there really is not a lot of need to get out, get out, and uh, just want to encourage you to uh, obey these ordinances. Uh, I did a Bible study the other day on uh, Facebook about obeying government and um, what the Christian's place is in that, and I believe right now it's uh, it's important that we obey those things. Um, I, I know how hard it is to push pause on your life, but right now um, we're talking about safety of other people and not just ourselves. And so I just want to encourage you with that uh, this morning. Stay home as much as you can. Uh, one other thing before we jump into today's message. Um, one of the things that you need to be considering um, and, and keeping in your mind as we're not gathering together as believers on Sunday mornings um, is worship giving um, and how it should not stop for you and your family. Um, <clears throat> we practice at our church, we don't really practice tithing so much. Um, we don't have a rule uh, about uh, giving or like we, we don't uh, count up how much has been given and say, oh, well, you know, we just can know that uh, more should have been given. It's not what we do. We rely on the Lord. Um, we don't rely on you. Um, and so, but I do want to remind you all that as believers, as Christians, it is our job and it is part of our, um, our, uh, our worship to, to give to God through our um, finances. That's why we call it worship giving. It's a big part of worship. It's a big part of giving to our Savior. Um, and so I just want to encourage you to continue to do that. Don't stop um, doing that because uh, we're not gathering together here. Um, now, this is not a plea, you know, on my behalf to you, you know, send us your dollars. That's not what this is at all. I am your pastor. I am not the one who oversees your finances or your heart. My job is to remind you. Um, most of the time, I am the, the C, CRO, the chief reminding officer of our church uh, and how we ought to be um, obeying and following um, uh, the, the commands, the calls, and the... Uh, 
and the, and the, the worship processes uh, in the Scripture. So anyway, uh, give consideration to that. Now, today, uh, we're continuing our, our series, Dear Church, looking at what the Apostle Paul wrote to the First Corinthian church. Um, and last week, we talked about, um, you know, Paul, he, he was uh, writing to the church about um, their spiritual maturity, and you probably have um, in your head, unfortunately, maybe, unfortunately, burned into your head me drinking out of a baby bottle. See, the, the Christian, um, the, the Corinthian Christians were just spiritually immature, and Paul wants to be able to speak to them about very mature things as believers, but they weren't in a place where they could um, hear or receive that kind of thing. And so the challenge was to us, like, what are we, are we feeding ourselves as believers? Are we feeding ourselves as Christians? Or are we relying on outs- sources outside of the, the Word of God and our time in prayer to feed us spiritually? Are you relying on me too much to feed you spiritually? Are you relying on um, people on social media or people that you've never met to encourage you spiritually? Um, so, you know, we were talking about that, looking at that, and now Paul, um, you know, the way that he knew that they were struggling in that is um, they were dividing over different um, leaders. Um, in, our, in our scripture this morning, Paul takes an axe to the practice of putting Christian leaders on a pedestal. As the Corinthian Christians had divided themselves into these cliques around the apostles, one of them being Paul himself, um, you know, I believe the reason that Paul is calling them to the carpet over this issue is because they had begun putting apostles into the place of Jesus. They, you know, like I said, putting them on a pedestal, right? So they're, they're, they're wanting to follow someone that they can see with their eyes rather than someone who is God. Then that's, that's the case for lots of people in the world and not just Christians. We would rather have someone physical in the flesh, and that's not new to Israel. Um, all the way back um, with, uh, with King Saul, they wanted a king, and, and God said to Samuel, don't worry, they're not disobeying you, they're disobeying me, they're rejecting me because they want a king that isn't me. And we still do that sort of thing as humans. We just would rather things that are flesh and blood um, rather than things that are from heaven. And so they had begin, begun doing this kind of thing again by putting the apostles in these places. And Paul calls them to the carpet. He, he takes an axe to that, um, that worldview. And, uh, and we're going to be looking this morning um, at how Paul addresses this with the church um, as they were looking to the teaching and leadership of men instead of the Lord Jesus. See, Paul uses part of his solution for this. He uses two analogies to explain the rightful place of those involved in the ministry of the church. Um, and he, these, we'll get into these two analogies. Um, but he gives basically uh, just a couple categories for the people involved, right? So there are, there's two kind of categories for people involved there's God and then there's ministers. There's God and there's ministers. He doesn't do um, God, apostles, pastors, deacons, lay people. He says there's God and then there's humans in the ministry of God's kingdom. He doesn't separate the apostles from each other. He simply says there is God's people and then there's God. 
Those are the two agencies working toward the ministry of God's kingdom, um, fulfilling the great commission that Jesus left us with. But before we dive into the text, let me pray for us. Lord, your, your word is true. I am yours. All these who are watching and listening are yours. Our resources belong to you. All of this is in your hands. And Lord, I pray that as we look at your word, we come to, we will come to a better understanding of what it looks like to submit to your will and do things your way for your glory. Lord, let us, let us see to the truth and the, and the reality of our, our personal foundations what we have built our lives on, what our worldviews are. Pray this in your name, Jesus, for your glory. Amen. Okay, again, Paul uses two analogies to demonstrate the work of growing God's kingdom. And there are two that, uh, for us, we'll be pretty familiar with and, and we won't have a whole lot of trouble understanding. The two kind of categories or analogies he uses is, one, farming or agricultural related, and his second analogy is construction-related. Um, these analogies give us a clue to the kind of people that made up the Corinthian church. They were blue-collar. They were everyday people. They, for the most part, were people who were involved in construction or involved in agriculture. Corinth was such a big town and a big place um, it was growing as well, and there was a lot of people who saw to feeding those people and a lot of people who saw to building and maintaining um, that city. And so a lot of the Corinthian church is made up of farmers and construction workers. So let's look at our, our first uh, section of Scripture. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 9. I'll give you a second to get there. If you, um, if you need to hit pause on the video and go grab your Bible, please feel free to do so. So this is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. He lumps them together. They are one. Each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. First thing we want to take away from this is just to recognize a good farmer, an actual farmer, knows their job, um, and, they, and, they, and they know and they realize that they cannot cause growth. Uh, just like a, a farmer cannot actually cause his crops to grow, neither can a human cause the church or a believer to grow. See, God puts into place everything and everyone to grow the church to be what he wants it to to be. Uh, the kind of growth that Paul is talking about here is growth um, 
uh, as in a spiritual growth or a Christian maturity growth. He's, he's not talking about numerical growth. Um, there, are, there are no promises in the New Testament about the size of our ministries, only the health. God only promises um, reward and health in our ministries if we, if we obey and see to doing things in a biblical way. You know, what we see right now, how this virus is affecting churches and ministries. And, and based on their goals and what they want their ministries to be, um, they're... Um, they will find out the effects. Uh, right now, ministries that push for having a big church or a big production, um, they're failing in their goals. If, if, uh, if, and, they, and they feel the weight of it because they're unable to do the things that they are wanting to do. If, if, if your desire is to have a building full of people every Sunday morning to hear you talk, you're just not getting to do that right now. I mean, here I am again, room full of nobody. And if that, I mean, if that's where my um, motivations lied, like in, in this, in a gathering, in a room with a bunch of people to hear me talk, I mean, I just, I, I can't do that right now. And I am thankful that myself and the other leaders in our church were, were not pushing towards having a big gathering with lots of people our calling is to do the ministry of the kingdom but if your goal is to have a big church with lots of people you're failing right now because we can't but if your ministry has the goal of sharing the gospel meeting people's needs and growing through discipleship honestly we're able to do that now more than when uh, when we didn't have that virus right now we have the opportunity to share the gospel with people who haven't, haven't had open ears or open hearts um, yet. But they're listening because the, the things are falling apart. People have more needs now than ever. And if, and if you're able to be part of meeting those needs, you're able to do more ministry now than when everything was fine or fine. And if your if your desire if, if your ministry is to grow people in discipleship, you get to do that right now because your family is stuck at home with you. And so, um, how our um, what our goals are are affected by um, different things that happen. Right? Nothing like I've said before. Nothing has changed um, except for circumstances lately. Nothing has changed except for circumstances. Truth is still truth. Jesus is still Jesus. The call of the Christian is, st- is the exact same. Nothing has changed except for circumstances. And depending on what your motivation, what your goals have been as a Christian, the circumstances can either give you more opportunity to do that or totally wipe away um, all that you have worked for. You see, we need to know our place. We need to know our job as Christians. What it is we are to be doing as Christians. Your farmers know. They really, when it comes down, down to it, they know what their work is. Farmers know exactly what their job is. See, a farmer's job, you know, plant, fertilize, water, 
uh, spray things, etc. See, it's not actually a farmer's job to grow anything except really a farmer's job is to facilitate the growing process. The success of a farmer is entirely up to sun, rain, and the nutrients in the ground. And again, farmers can facilitate this process and, and, and help in this process. But if there is no sun, there is no photosynthesis, there is no success for farmers. If there are no nutrients in the ground... There is no success for farmers. If, and, and, you know, farmers can water and water and water and water, but rain does so much more for crops than farmers watering. And so farmers know, need to know their job, just like Christians need to know their place and their work. So, like, as Christians, it is our job, it is my job and your job to facilitate the growth of God's kingdom. It is not our job to cause it, right? God causes all the things that make crops grow. God caused the soil. He caused the nutrients. He caused the sun. He caused the rain. He causes those things. Farmers facilitate all that. Same with us. God caused creation. God caused our lives. He caused all the, the people who live where they live. God caused the gospel. God caused the, you know, the, well, the Holy Spirit is, is, just is. God didn't cause the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit does the will of God in our lives. So any growth we have spiritually is because God caused it. And so it is our jobs to facilitate the work of God in our world in Gower, Missouri. See, we don't persuade or leverage people's hearts to believe in God. We can give good reasons. But when it comes down to it, all we are are ambassadors of, of God. God makes His appeal through us. God's appeal, not our appeal. God does the work. God causes the growth. See, we, you and I are just planters and waterers. We're like farmers. See, we facilitate the growth. And this is the analogy that, that Paul is trying to drive to the Corinthian church. Listen, Paul, Apollos, um, you know, all, all the, the apostles, Peter, James, John, these guys, they are not God. They, they don't have the ability to change people's hearts except for what God allows. And the same goes for us here in this church. See, God doesn't need us gathering together to grow His kingdom. God doesn't need us here. He doesn't even need me to grow His kingdom. He could get somebody better than me right now to fill this pulpit, to teach to you, and grow His kingdom with somebody else. And it is it is only our job to facilitate what God is already doing. We are just the workers. God is the one with the wisdom and the plan. Then in verse 9, you know, we look back to verse 9. God says that uh, when God says, you know, God's building, he, he's, he calls us God's building. He's leading into the next analogy that's related to construction. Look at verse 10 through 15. According to the grace of God 
given to me. Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Right here is a bit of a challenge. Mind your motivations for God's kingdom, for the church, specifically members of this church. Mind your motivations. What are you here for? Why do you call yourself a member? Why do you attend? Take care of how you build on the foundation that's been laid. Verse 11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 12, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. See, the first thing I want you to recognize here is in verse 10. Paul recognizes a very important truth about his ministry and about ours. Every one of us who has a ministry. It is only because, look at what the phrasing is, according to the grace of God given to me. Grace is when you are given something that you do not deserve. And all of us who are Christians are, are a product of grace. Being given what we do not deserve. Paul recognizes that his ministry, that what he is doing for God's kingdom is a product of grace. That none of this is actually his. None of it belongs to him. None of it is even for him. That it is all because of and for God. But Then we go on to see here, Paul, you know, his abilities as a skilled master builder, right? The second part of verse 10, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. See, Paul is not a skilled master builder because Paul is talented. Paul is a skilled master builder, like he says, because of the grace of God given to him. You may not have the skills to be the skilled master builder or whatever trade, if you will, in God's kingdom um, that God is working in you yet. You may feel kind of aimless in, in your um, specific ministries. That's okay. God is still working on you. If you don't know where God is calling you to serve in His kingdom, if you don't know what your trade or what your specific place of ministry is, just keep um, being available. But most importantly, grow in your relationship with the Lord. That, that's vital. So important. But see here, to become a skilled master builder, you know, some, someone that we would call a craftsman, 
You know, you have a very specific job to do. And Paul knew his. There are a lot of people that we would call like a jack-of-all-trades and master of none. But in God's kingdom, we are more, we are meant more to be like tradesmen who have a specific thing. Maybe who have the ability to do some other stuff but are specifically called to fulfill and be in one ministry. You know, in construction, there, there are people that are so good at flooring, you know, like refinishing hardwood floors or laying hardwood floors um, or laying other kinds of, like there is so much that goes into laying flooring that, you know, a DIY weekend warrior could, could do it, but it's not going to look as good as, though it, as if a skilled you know, tradesmen did it, or carpentry, like, uh, you know, I've got saws and tape measures, and I know my way around them and can put some stuff together. I can build some things, but I cannot do carpentry like a real tradesman carpenter can do it. it, it and, and besides that, it takes me 10 times the amount of time that a professional tradesman can do it. And, and also, plumbing. Like a real plumber can know the route where the plumbing ought to go when someone like me could get the job done, but uh, a real plumber's going to come in and be like, yeah, that's not how you do it if you want it to work efficiently and if you want it to meet code and if you want it to last any amount of time. And, and, then, and then concrete, you know, I can mix a bag of concrete. I, you know, I could, I could patch some spots on a, on a sidewalk or, um, you know, I could, I could do some tuck pointing or something like that. But, but an actual concrete guy, like an actual finisher or, or someone who knows how to, how to actually work the rebar the right way, someone that actually can engineer a foundation, that person is a skilled tradesman. And this is Paul's trade. He is a foundation work guy. He, he would be the kind of guy that, that can design and know how to build a foundation. And it's the, the gifting in God's kingdom that, that Paul has given him, or God has given Paul. He's the guy who lays the foundation. He's the one that knows you know, how much concrete he needs. Um, and he, he knows... Um, how to how to how to build the forms and and he knows how to treat the concrete when it's done he he knows how to build a foundation and you know the the people in Corinth the Corinthian church they would have known exactly what Paul's talking about using these construction analogies because they were these kinds of guys but the foundation that Paul is talking about is the gospel he laid a foundation of gospel teaching and he is a skilled master tradesman when it comes to teaching and preaching the gospel. Then others built upon it. You look back at the, the verse 10. Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation talking about the gospel. And someone else is building upon it. There's one thing we know about, about buildings. They are no good unless they have foundation that is solid. And we'll look at that some more. But that's something that you need to recognize right now. Unless your foundation is solid, it doesn't matter what's built on it. 
it'll all come crashing down sooner than later unless the foundation is good. You know, I'm just going to drive this point a little more. Foundation is everything for a building. Um, Paul talks about the foundation, and he reminds the people that foundations, uh, that's how the rest of a building goes up, that's, that you know, things are built on. When you look at a fresh cured foundation, you'll know what kind of building is going up. You can see, you know, in this area, there, you know, this is going to, you can almost begin to see the actual building or the actual house based on the, the, the measurements and the dimensions of the foundation. You can, you can even tell what kind of building is going to go up based on what kind of foundation is poured. Different buildings need specific kinds of foundations. When I had my construction business, we, had, we did several fences for people. You know, uh, and for the fences that, w- that we did, we'd pour you know, concrete in, in a hole and we'd set our posts. And that's, that's a good foundation for a fence. It's a really good foundation for a fence. But that kind of foundation would be terrible for building an entire house on. You know, there are similar buildings that are built with similar foundations, but a hand-dug two-foot hole with four-by-fours is not how you build a building like this church. It's just not how it's done. This, this place needs the huge concrete uh, structure that sits underneath it, that sits underneath our uh, sanctuary because... If there is any kind of test, if there is any kind of shaking, if there is any kind of you know, natural disaster of any kind, that's when you find out what a, what a building is, is built on. Um, Paul talks about this in verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. Now he's not talking about specific fire. He's not actually talking about actual fire. He means trial by fire. Circumstances, nature, shaking, storms. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. When the tornado went through Joplin, Missouri, was that 2011? The quick built um, big box stores just flattened. Buildings that just shot up, they got knocked over so fast. And and for us, there's going to come a time the building of our faith, the, the building, the structure of our faith is going to be tested. God will spend, he'll, he'll send a spiritual earthquake or a spiritual tornado or a spiritual fire. And your foundation and the building of your faith is going to be tested. And if, you're, if your foundation is secure, if everything that is built on it is secure, the building of your faith will stand the test. This is why it is so important for us to, to if you will, 
overbuild our spiritual lives. Be prepared spiritually. You know, sometimes when it may seem unnecessary. As Christians, we know that um, because of the fallen world that we live in, bad things are going to happen. Medical things, governmental things, environmental things, economic things, political things. We know that there are going to be tests, and we know that there is no, you know, heaven in this world, in this life right now. We ought to know that. But, you know, we cannot wait to begin to do foundation and building work in the middle of a storm. We can't wait in the middle of an economic crisis to, to, to begin attempting to, to build wealth. We, we, just, we cannot wait for our marriage to be falling apart before we start building it. Because it is in the middle of a test, in the, in the middle of a storm, that we find out all the work before what it has been going towards. It is not the time to build a, a hotel on the beach when a tsunami is coming your way. And right now, the whole world is finding out what kind of foundation it has been built on. We're finding out what people's hope is in and whether or not we've done good foundation work. As the economy stumbles, our hobbies are taken away, even our jobs are taken away, where our hope and faith has been aimed is going to be made quite evident to us in the world around us. You will find out if the gospel is your foundation. Now, there is going to be certain amounts of anxiety, stress, fear, because we are human. But how we respond, that, that's, those are the symptoms of what our foundation really is made up of. So I encourage you right now, take a good hard look at your heart and find out what your foundation is made of. If it's built on anything except the gospel of Jesus Christ, your future has a lot of unnecessary pain headed your way. But, if your foundation is the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's hope. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of bankruptcy, death, illness, losing your Home, there is hope for you because God means to work all things in your life together for your good, your spiritual good. And you know that scripture, Romans 8, 28, people say, you know, that they, they quote that. God's going to work all things together for the good of those who love Him and called according to His purpose. And out of context, you know, that sounds really good. But in the context, 
it really does mean that the trials that you are going to experience in your life are for your good. Not for your happiness, not for your wealth, not for your success, your achievements, your career, for your good. And God means for you to have eternal good. Not temporal. Not things to show off to the world around you. God means for you to have eternal good. That's why this is all happening. I can confidently say in the midst of this that all of, you know, that we're dealing with with COVID-19 is for our good. Every bit of it is for our good. But there is no time like the present to see to it that our sights and our aim of our lives pointed towards Christ. Now, as a family, as you're sitting there, maybe you're by yourself, maybe you're with your family, at the end of this video, there's discussion questions in the bulletin for you and, uh, and those with you to answer. And I encourage you to do that. Let's unpack this text. Um, um, preach your own sermon. Hopefully that my message is helpful to you in, in understanding what Paul is talking about here. Um, and, and my prayer for you all is that even though we're not allowed to gather here together, your faith, your, your relationship with the Lord will flourish. God would be the one that would do that. He would be the one that would take away our norm and grow our faith and our, and our, our strength in, in Him in a way that we didn't think possible, even in a way that I, as a pastor, would not have expected. So I encourage you now, families, um, get the digital bulletin from the um, description box below. Ask the discussion questions. Uh, and as a family, you know, unpack all this. And then pray together. Dads, lead your family in prayer. You want to be the man of your house? It's time to do it right now. Lead your family in prayer. God bless you all. I love you all. I'm still here. Um, if you have my phone number. If you need anything, call. But you can expect to be hearing from me uh, within you know, a week or so. I'm going to be doing my best to... Some of you have already gotten contacted by me. Uh, the rest of you just, you know, you can either call me or wait until I call you. I'm going to be reaching out to you all, just you know, seeing how you're doing and praying with you and, and all that. So anyway, love you all. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day together. God bless.